0: Greetings listeners, welcome to Hope and Healing, a podcast where we talk about health options for more care and better care in Indian country. So today we're going to talk about Medicare and why it is so important to tribes and their citizens. You know, in another episode, we talk about the ins and outs of Medicaid, which provides health coverage for more than a million American Indians and Alaska Natives, including low-income adults, children, pregnant women, and others. Today, we're going to talk about Medicare. So Medicare is a federally funded health insurance program for people 65 and older, although you may also qualify to get Medicare earlier if you have a disability or if you have a certain disease such as ALS, which is also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, or end-stage renal disease. There are a couple parts to Medicare that we're going to talk about today. Hospital insurance, medical insurance, drug coverage, and Medicare Advantage, which is a bundled plan. We're also going to talk about what's become a theme in this podcast. When tribal citizens use Medicare, it's not just good for them, it's also good for their community because it provides additional funding for tribal health. You know, my friend and our co-host Levi Rickert always likes to say, community is everything to Native people. It has been since time immemorial. So Levi, by the way, 66 years old, in Potawatomi. He's enrolled in Medicare, so we'll talk about that. And before we dig in, though, to the whys and wherefores of Levi's Health Insurance, let me actually introduce him to you formally, Levi Rickert. He's the host of the podcast and also the editor and publisher of Native News Online, which is a leading news outlet in Indian country. His co-host today is Kristen Bitsui, who serves as the Tribal Healthcare Reform Outreach and Education Policy Coordinator for the National Indian Health Board. They're a national nonprofit organization that provides a variety of healthcare related services to tribes, area health boards, tribal organizations, federal agencies, and private foundations. Today they're going to be talking to Adam Archuleta. He's a former healthcare executive and revenue cycle consultant with over 30 years of experience working for the Department of Health and Human Services, Indian Health Service Agency. Adam spent his career providing technical assistance and consultative services to federal, tribal, and private healthcare hospitals and ambulatory facilities. Levi, why don't you take over here and get us started?
1: Kristen, why should American Indians and Alaska Native people care about Medicare?
2: American Indians and Alaskan Natives that are elder, 65 and older, or disabled can apply for Medicare. Part B. The reason why it's important is because it provides not only access to health care for them, but also it also provides funding that will be able to be used within the facility as well, too. And it also saves purchase referred care funding for other individuals that might not be able to apply for any other health care insurance as well,
1: Well, thank you for that. And why should tribal leaders care about Medicare?
2: The reason why tribal leaders should care about Medicare is because not only does it take care of their tribal members within their community health-wise, but it also helps with the facility, bringing in revenue into the facility. So it's good for them to understand the importance of what Medicare will do for them on the healthcare-wise for their tribal enrollment members, but also for the facility as well, too.
1: What are the most important things that tribal citizens need to know about signing up for Medicare?
2: So Medicare, a lot of our elders and those that are disabled don't understand Medicare because they think that, oh, well, you know, I have to pay a premium out of pocket now when they become of age. And the thing about Medicare is that it's also a continuation to be able to get care outside of their IHS or tribal facility. And a lot of that part A, part A is for inpatient services and part B is for outpatient services. And the outpatient services is the most important thing because a lot of times maybe your facility does not provide some of the services there. So what happens is that you will end up getting referred out of your facility. When you get referred out, that means that you need to have some sort of health coverage in order to pay that medical bill. And it's good to have that when you do get referred out so that Medicare pays 80% of that bill. So when that, what happens to that 20%, it either is going to come out of that tribal member's pocket Or maybe if they're purchase referred care eligible and purchase referred care might be able to help them out in that way. But for tribal members, you have to understand that, yes, there is a premium that comes with it. But you also have to understand what comes about if you end up not wanting to enroll into Medicare Part B as well, too, which also goes into the penalties, And when you talk about the penalties, a lot of elders don't understand that as well, too. So that's 10% each year that's going to get added on to the premium if you do not decide to enroll into Medicare Part B. So the reason why it's very important for our tribal members to get on Medicare is so that one is to make sure that they get their medical bills paid for. Two, so they can have access to care outside of their IHS and tribal facilities.
1: Question: How do we make sure ensure that the tribal elders are getting the proper knowledge?
2: So, one, make sure you go and see your tribal enrollment assister at your facility, whether it's at IHS or the tribal facility, and there are some urban facilities that also provide the same services. They are extremely knowledgeable when it comes to American Indian and Alaskan Native, and so that they understand what your situation is, and they can provide good educational information for you as well, too. And it's, it's one of those things where if you are coming of age of getting onto Medicare, so those that are on Medicaid, sometimes, you know, since you've never had to pay anything out of pocket and it gets scary when you become 65 and all of a sudden you get told, okay, now you're going to have to apply for Medicare, which has a premium. And when that happens, a lot of our tribal members step back and think, okay, well, why can't I not stay on Medicaid? And so our tribal enrollment assistants have extremely good information for you to explain to you and also help you maybe there's a chance that you might be eligible for what they call is Medicare savings plan and with the Medicare savings plan you're able to also get additional help through Medicaid and so those are some services that are available to our tribal elders and as well as those that are disabled that have to get onto Medicare
1: Last episode we talked about some of the Protections that come with Medicaid. Does Medicare have the same protections?
2: Medicare is a universal uh, health care coverage. So that means that for American Indians and Alaska Natives, there are no protections or provision when it comes to the Medicare side of it, like it does on the Medicaid. And yes, we had talked previously about Medicaid and, you know, some of those special protections and provisions, meaning that they don't have to pay anything out of pocket. On the Medicare side of it, it's a little bit different This is a federal government site. So what that means is that when you do end up getting of age of 65 and you have to enroll into Medicare, there are different provisions within Medicare. And that's pretty much universal throughout the United States. So that means that everybody has the same coverage. Everybody has to go through the same services through Medicare. So therefore, for American Indians and Alaskan Natives, there are no special protections or provisions in Medicare.
1: What is the National Indian Health Board doing to help people who don't understand why they are paying for Medicare Part B?
2: So National Indian Health Board partners up with Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. And through CMS, we are able to provide training throughout the year. So each region that we go to, which is the IHS areas, we go to each areas and we're able to do training for these enrollment assisters so that they can gain the knowledge and also be able to explain to tribal members of maybe some of the changes that might have happened or something that they need to provide to our tribal members as well too. So we provide these trainings on a yearly basis and so that our tribal enrollment assisters are able to have that knowledge and the skill to help our tribal members.
1: Adam, how has Medicare impacted your community?
3: First of all, I wanted to say thank you, Levi and Kristen, for inviting me on this podcast, and I'm very honored to be here and participating in today's um, podcast as well. Uh, But Medicare has impacted our community in a very positive way. It's really had several impacts on tribal communities. So one thing I wanted to mention is that Medicare is a national program. It's not a welfare program. It's an entitlement program, which basically means that our, many of our elders, or I would say most of our elders have contributed to Social Security, Medicare uh, during their working lifetime. And as Kristen mentioned, you know you, it's usually four, uh, 40 quarters, which is basically 10 uh, years of a working lifetime to be eligible for this program. So again, as Kristen had mentioned, that they should get a notice within three months of them turning 65 about uh, being on the Medicare program, this uh, federal program, which consists of Part A and Part B, and they'll have the option to either pay for the Part B outpatient component, which I believe is $170 uh, for 2022, and I think it's going down to 164 for 2023. So again, it's really important that for Native Americans, if they don't have access to an ITU facility, which is an IHS Tribal or urban uh, Indian organization, and they live in the urban areas where there's no access, that they really should keep Part B as well. And also to another benefit is if they access those uh, programs, those facilities, that these organizations do collect third-party revenue from Medicare, which is really going to help the facility in terms of providing uh, additional resources and staffing as well. So it's really a positive program that's really going to help these uh, delivery systems. So it's, a, I, I feel it's a twofold uh, benefit for uh, our tribal communities.
1: How has Medicare impacted your life personally? Are you on Medicare?
3: <laughs> well, no, I'm not. So I, but I will be on Medicare in a few years, but right now uh, I currently have TRICARE Select because I'm prior military, but When I do turn 65, I will be eligible for the Medicare program, as well as my TRICARE will turn into TRICARE for Life, which will pay for the 20% that's left over. So, Medicare basically pays 80% of all services. And as Kristen mentioned too, if you are a Native American who's eligible for the PRC Purchase Referred Care, or formerly known as CHS Contra Health Services, then um, that's a benefit that'll pay 100% between the two. So, one thing about that Kristen mentioned too, that besides PRC is that a lot of people will qualify for Medicare savings. So a lot of Native Americans could qualify for the Quimby Slimby QI1, which is the Qualified Medical Beneficiary, also the Specified Loan uh, Medical Beneficiary Program, which is a state program that would also help pay for those 20% of costs that Medicare does not pay over, so pay for. So it, but it is important that most, I believe most Native Americans who are beneficiaries of the Medicare program do have Medicare Part B. And usually the Part B premium is, as I mentioned, it's going to be $163.90 this coming uh, year for 2023. We'll usually have that taken out of their uh, paychecks as well. But uh, we also have to remember that the majority of the ITU systems only basically provide primary care. So if an elder needs to see a specialist or have some surgery or if they're in a level one trauma situation where there's a car accident, that they will definitely need those uh, Part B benefits. So we're really encouraging myself, you know, who's been in the healthcare industry for a long time, working with Native American communities, that they keep and retain those Part B benefits. So, uh, and the deductible too as well, which is going to be 226 for the coming year. So I really believe that it is, uh, has impacted our Native community beneficiaries positively and I plan to have both Part A and Part B when I turn 65. As I mentioned before, another area that could really impact uh, our Native American Medicare beneficiary is the uh, Medicaid expansion program. That's the Affordable Care Act that was passed by President Obama back in March of 2010, which basically has increased the federal poverty guidelines threshold for a lot of our Native Americans to get on these type of programs and what Medicaid expansion has done is allowed uh, Native Americans who would not normally be uh, eligible for the Medicaid-type programs to be eligible. So currently, I believe we have either 40 or 41 states that are Medicaid-expanded states. I think the last two are Oklahoma and South Dakota, which is which is awesome, that will allow them to get on these programs. So they, so our Native American beneficiaries who do seek services, either an IT facility or referral facility, uh, will have no out-of-pocket to them, especially for those who are not PRC eligible. So that's really going to be a positive impact uh, for our Native American Medicare beneficiaries. Okay, so another reason Medicare beneficiaries need to keep coverage and pay those premiums, not only is to extend the uh, PRC funds, that program funds, which for many uh, facilities in different regions, they run out, prior to the end of the uh, federal fiscal year, which is September 30th. So getting on these programs, uh, such as the Medicaid state programs, as I mentioned, Quimby, Slimby, QI1, as well as any type of Medicaid state programs that will save PRC uh, millions of dollars, which will be saved for those uh, elderly who do not have any alternate resources. So, and again, that's something that Chris and I have worked with in in our outreach and enrollment efforts over the years um, when when we're... um, having these uh, meetings and educating them and so forth. So that's real important as well. And then again, as I mentioned too, that there's a lot of times that folks need to um, get referred out from their local Indian health facility. So it's really a benefit for Native Americans uh, who don't have any alternate resources to utilize the peer funds and those folks who have Medicare and Medicaid programs can uh, get their costs paid at 100%. So as I mentioned before, that most Indian Health Service, Tribal 638 programs, and urban Indian organizations, their scope of service is primarily primary care. So a lot of times when our elderly need to be sent out to a higher level of care for specialty type care, like cardiology, dermatology, uh, neurology, then that's where they will need, you know, they will, IT facilities will refer and let the referring facilities know that they have those alternate resource programs that they're eligible for. If the elderly gets those ser- or receives those services from that referral facility, then the Medicare program and other Medicaid state programs that they're eligible for will pay for everything. And again, most IT delivery systems are the payer of the last resort, or as we say, the residual payer. So again, if they're on those programs that the cost from PRC funds or any other type of tribal program where they pay for the urban Indian population will be um, will be nothing so that's that's a really good benefit and has a positive impact.
1: What questions do you hear from your tribal citizens about Medicare
3: during the years working in tribal communities and listening to the elders and well for everybody for all all Native Americans and tribal communities is they want more outreach. They want more education about these type of programs, and I can tell you that some of these programs are very, you know, very convoluted. They're very uh, hard to understand as well. So again, for us, as like Krista mentioned, if it's if it takes a lot a while for us to learn about these programs, I know it's much more for the layperson as well. So I would say outreach and education is really crucial in working with those stakeholders who who vested their dollars into the Medicare program over the years. So again, I think that now that we're coming out of the pandemic, I believe that um, now was an opportune time where we can really start uh, working on our advocacy and outreach efforts, not only at the facility level, but also in the c- local communities through health fairs. It's even more important that we make our Native American uh, elderly population aware of these programs and, and the benefits as well. And how does that work with your care, particularly if you're getting services at an IT facility and maybe specialty care beyond the four walls of the local tribal facility? When a Native American beneficiary is entitled to and aware that they are going to be enrolled in the Medicare program, we talked a little bit about how there's two components, the Part A and Part B. But there's also a Part C option, which is basically the uh, Medicare Advantage component, which basically means that if Native Americans choose to go with a managed care plan, which is kind of a private plan that, that offers services uh, beyond traditional Medicare, then they have that option. Uh, so if a Native American usually gets their primary care at an ITU facility, then a lot of uh, we really recommend they stick with traditional Medicare because if you go to a Medicare Advantage plan, which is like an HMO, then of course, in managed care, you have to go by their rules. You have to go to their network providers, go to their specific facilities. And if a tribal IHS or urban Indian Health Center does not have any agreements for referral care, then there could be some problems for the Native American elderly. So, again, that's a that's a challenge. And, again, that's part of that whole education and outreach process that we are working for as advocates to let the Native American beneficiary know that, you know, if they're in an the urban setting or if they're on a the reservation, Pueblo like where I'm at in New Mexico, and then that's really something they need to assess their situation. That if they go to the private sector or if they don't use the IT facility, you know, maybe going to a Medicare Advantage plan would be okay. But the majority of our Native American beneficiaries that I've interviewed and worked with over the years have stuck with traditional Medicare, which is basically the red, white, and blue card that they receive in the mail. So again, that's where it pays 80-20. And again, as Kristen mentioned earlier, if If they get referred out from their local IT facility and it's approved, then the IT facility will pay the 20% that's left over after Medicare pays 80%.
1: Tell us what happens if somebody declines Part B, but then later on decides to enroll and apply. How complicated is that?
3: Well, that's the Native American beneficiary's choice if they decide to decline uh, Part B. But as we mentioned earlier, that's... Part A, while there's no out-of-pocket on their part uh, for inpatient services, the majority of services that our our beneficiaries, our Native beneficiaries, uh, will receive is kind of an outpatient setting, uh, a specialty setting. Those benefits are under Part B. So if they decline Part B and they're not PRC eligible, then the uh, Native American Medicare beneficiary who declines Part B may be subject to an enormous amount of -of out-of-pocket expenses which uh, we don't want the Native American to be in that situation. And um, that's something that uh, we recommend that uh, you always talk to your local uh, patient advocate, patient benefits coordinator on the benefits. Now, if the Native American does not want to pay the Part B premium, as I mentioned, it's going to be uh, 163 dollars in 2023, then that's their choice. But if they find out later on that they would like to receive it, you know, those premiums could or will go up for all the months that they decline Part B coverage so for instance if somebody had declined it in maybe three or four years has since passed uh, they could be looking at a premium in well excess in excess over three hundred dollars per month maybe close to four hundred dollars so we recommend that uh, the Native American beneficiary uh, keep their Part B coverage. And I believe today that the majority of Native Americans do have A and B, but there are some Native Americans who just want A and they feel basically out of principle that they shouldn't have to pay for something that Native Americans were promised um, from years past through treaties and so forth. So, But again, that's really up to the Native American elders uh, decision come um, when they're 65.
1: What do you tell the tribal citizens why they need Part B? Some may say, I don't really need it because I get my primary care at the Indian Health Service facility.
3: That's a good question, Levi. So, again, um, as we had talked about earlier, that that is the Native American beneficiary's choice if they would like to uh, keep Part B. And they do have IHS or a tribal or local tribal or urban Indian health center that they may go to. And, of course, there is no out-of-pocket to them. But as I mentioned earlier, that those health care delivery systems basically only provide primary care. So again, as you get older and um, the Medicare population usually may need referral care to a higher level, which is usually in the urban areas and so forth. So again, if they're living in the urban setting versus a rural setting, then there is the PRC program that can help pay for those. But on the other hand, today we have anywhere from 70 to 80% of Native Americans moving to the urban areas. And a lot of times they won't qualify for the PRC program. So, again, they may get in a situation where if they get referral care outside of the IT delivery system, that they may have to pay out of pocket, which we definitely don't want them to be in that situation.
1: Do you know that your region has a Native American contact assigned to answer questions and answers and respond to concerns regarding CMS programs? Have you been in touch with them?
3: I have been in contact with the CMS Native American contacts for each region over the years. So each NAC is assigned to an IHS area that can answer questions and provide technical assistance. So that's why uh, people like myself and Kristen over the years who've worked at the local level, work with our tribal communities, are the best resource for our Native American uh, elders to ask questions, really discuss how the Medicare program works and what's the best options and avenues to take you know, for their specific certain situations, are they healthy or do they have a lot of uh, comorbidities, diabetes, and so forth? So, again, I think it really is important that each beneficiary really reach out to the local uh, facilities, IT facilities, to have their questions answered and so forth regarding not only the Medicare program, but also the PRC program, as well as their specific health needs that they may need for the years to come. So I think that's the best resource in terms of having um, folks that can really answer those questions in layman's terms and stuff.
1: Well, I want to say miigwetch. Thank you to both Adam and Kristen today. This has been a very enlightening conversation. We greatly appreciate the information.
0: Before we wrap up, I want to remind listeners that we are now in the period for open enrollment for the marketplace and that open enrollment for Medicare has closed. Let me share some important information with you, though. Open enrollment is the early period in the fall when people can enroll in a health insurance plan for the next calendar year. However, there are some exceptions to open enrollment. Members of federally recognized tribes can enroll in the marketplace any time throughout the year. Your coverage will generally start the first of the month if you enroll by the 15th of each month. This is called a special enrollment period for American Indians and Alaska natives. However, you are encouraged to enroll during the open enrollment period to ensure your family members who are non-tribal members are covered for the year. American Indians and Alaska natives can apply for coverage through their state Medicaid or children's health insurance program at any time throughout the year for Medicaid and CHIP coverage. You can enroll all year round. Remember, you can enroll in medicare or medicaid by visiting the program websites at medicare.gov or medicaid.gov you can also go into your healthcare facility and speak to a patient benefits coordinator or an enrollment assister and they're going to help you understand your health coverage options and eligibility for these programs if you don't qualify for medicare or medicaid you may want to enroll in private health insurance through the marketplace You can find more information and enroll at www.healthcare.gov. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to this episode of the Hope and Healing podcast. Hope and Healing is produced by the National Indian Health Board and Native News Online with funding support from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Chi-miigwech. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time.